The following podcast is a part of the Spin Studio Network. Hello, sunshine, and welcome to She Was the Fire, episode two. It's time to stop dancing in the dark. Let's start your fire and ignite your spark. As I said, welcome to episode two. My podcast is officially out into the world. Today, at the time of recording this, is actually the day that I launched my podcast. And I feel like a little naked, if I'm honest. It's like this little baby that I've been working on for a couple of weeks is now out there for everyone to, you know, look at, judge, criticize, comment on, compliment, whatever it is, but it's out there. And I'm really proud of what I've decided to do with this podcast. Uh, And I've had like lots of messages from people saying that they're really excited to hear the kind of thing that I do on Insta Story in a podcast form. And so it really has reinforced me that it was the right decision to start this podcast. At the same time, we've had a lot of things kind of go on with our business that are just like, We're going from strength to strength and it's going to be a huge period of growth for the two businesses that I run. I run two businesses and I'm a creative director for a third business and all of them are rapidly growing. So it really was probably the worst time to launch a podcast. However, it was important that I did it because it's something that I wanted to do for myself. So I'm really proud that I really put aside the fact that I need to prioritize myself as well as my businesses and not just always be a workaholic and to add this thing into my repertoire. I don't really know what I said that word for, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, So each week what I'm going to try to do is talk about at the start of the episode what the episode is going to be about, then kind of recap my week and then get into the topic. So what this episode is going to be about actually comes from Oprah. So when I sat down to think about what kind of episodes I wanted to do first up, I really wanted to make sure they were on brand, which, you know, sounds like a silly thing, but when you work for, you know, you own a branding agency, that's terminology you use all the time. And I really wanted it to be something that would be, um, that my friends would listen to and go, oh yeah, that's so Courtney, because that's what I want us to get to the point where it's like, you know what I'm about, who I am, what I like, what I don't like. And so you're like, oh, that's so Courtney. And this episode is so Courtney. What I know for sure is a concept from Oprah. And anyone who knows me knows that I'm like an Oprah ride or die. I've loved Oprah from a very young age and I've actually gone and seen Oprah live when she toured in Australia And she just is someone who I've always really looked up to, as cliche as it is. Like, I know everybody looks up to Oprah, but I have her quotes, I have her DVD set, I have, like, own stuff. I'm just, like, I'm I'm hugely, like, into Oprah. Um, And so the What I Know For Sure concept is something that she was asked by a film critic called Jean years and years and years ago. And it's the concepts about, like, what are the things that you know in your heart for sure? So I'm going to give you my top five things today. But before I get into that, just recap my week a little. I don't have a huge amount to report other than the fact that I launched this podcast and that was basically my huge focus this week. Um, I obviously have my job and everything like that, but that was um, nothing really that different other than the fact that we also launched for the Spin Studio Network, the business I own, the Two Open Books podcast with Reach Orv- sorry, Reach Orville. <laughs> Mitch Orville and Reese Hawkins, and it went to number one in a matter of hours. So I'm extremely proud to be part of that podcast. I'm producing that with the boys. And it's just a really 
great insight into the male psyche, I guess. And there's all that bullshit about men can't have emotions and man up, all that crap that goes on about stereotypes that I don't like to buy into. Um, These boys are getting on talking about their emotions and I love that they're using their platform for something good like that that can hopefully help other men with their mental health and to also it'll help women know more about their male partners and their husbands or their brothers and their fathers all of that. So that podcast was exciting to be a part of. And the fact that it went number one so quickly was very impressive. Um, the other thing that I'm doing this week is preparing to go back full time to the office next week. So at the time of you hearing this podcast, um, I will have already started working back at the office full time. And COVID has been like a little cocoon for me, as difficult it has been on many people. And you know, so many people have been impacted by this, especially in other countries where, you know, so many lives have been lost and businesses have been destroyed. It's truly horrible. And even here at home, so many people have lost their jobs. Um, Thankfully, myself, my businesses and my staff have been able to get through this period. And so what I'm now doing is trying to understand what I can do to assess what happened during isolation and find a silver lining so that when we come out, we come out stronger, bigger and better. That's what I'm doing at the moment. I'll get into that a little bit more later on. But um, yeah, it's been like a a safety net. I don't know. I live at home. So I felt very like in a cocoon, in a little bubble. I get up, I do my little workout for the day. I make myself a breakfast. I sit down at my desk, do some like, I either like do a course that I've bought online or I listen to a podcast and then I get into my work and make myself a nice lunch. And then I have dinner getting ready. It's like a whole thing. I feel like a, I don't know, like a Betty Crocker movie that's not a movie. Like what would it be? Like I feel like Martha Stewart, a little bit like Martha Stewart where everything's just like, ah, so sunshine in the morning and it's like so calming. And now I have to like get up quickly, make breakfast quickly, put on makeup, find an outfit, try to get an outfit that matches. Does it need to be ironed? Now I have to iron the outfit, you know? And to be honest, do I even have any outfits right now? It's winter. I came into this when it was hot. And all I bought was tracksuits and candles during the whole of isolation. So I need to go shopping and get some new little outfits, that's for sure. Um, But now that it's like so dark in the mornings, I wake up at 6.30 and it's like, I don't want to get up and do anything. It's black outside, for goodness sake. Um, But I need to get back into a routine next week of getting up, doing some form of exercise, eating a healthy breakfast and then going to work and not just sleeping I'm not sleeping in at the moment, but I am staying in bed longer than I usually am. So I need to get out of that routine. And I want to make sure that the routine that I formed in isolation, I try to come out with at least try, you know, like it's not going to be perfect, but I need to try how much good things I've done during isolation for my mental health and my physical health. I need to try and bring them back with me to the real world, I think. Um, Anyway, Let's, that's enough. I don't really have much else to go into. The fact that we've been in isolation so long means that our weeks aren't very exciting. Now that I'll be out of it, I should have more exciting things to share with my recaps on my weeks every week. Um, But I did just want to also say thank you so much, everybody who has DM'd me, who has Instagrammed and tagged me in their stories, who has rate and reviewed the podcast. If you haven't already done that, I would really appreciate it. It goes a long way into helping me get into more ears of new listeners. Um, And thank you just so much. It's been like such an overwhelming response. Like 
I felt confident in what I was doing and I was really proud of what I was doing, but it's really reinforced it back to me knowing that um, some of the kind things that you're saying, you know, some people have just said like, oh my God, this made my day. And it's just so wonderful, especially coming from a stranger where it's like, wow, someone I don't even know that doesn't love me or care about me has gone and listened to me talk for 45 minutes. Like that's so nice. So I'm glad to know that I gave you some value and I'll continue to do that every week because I want to make sure that your support, you're getting something in return. All right, let's kick off with the fire starter of the week. And the fire starter is, of course, the song of the week. And this week is I Was Here by Beyonce. So you may or may not know this song. It's not like a hugely popular song of Beyonce's. But the reason I chose this song is because it was kind of part of why I started this podcast, I guess. Um, And here are some of the lyrics. I was here. I lived. I loved. I was here. I did. I've done everything that I wanted. And I was more than I thought it would be. I would leave, I will leave my mark, soul, everyone will know I was here. And those lyrics really resonate with me when I listen to this song because I think about like when you die, as morbid as that is, like what what's left of you? And that's what I'm trying to start to do now. I talked about last week how I was going through the motions and now I want to make sure that when I am gone that I left a positive impact and that I did give people value. I need to think of a new way to say that. Someone needs to get me a thesaurus. Um, But that's kind of what this podcast is about. Like if I leave this world, at least I have this podcast that shows this mark that I left and I want it to be something that I'm really proud of and that people, you know, get something from. And so that's the song of the week. It's not like a, you know, dancing in the dark was like real boppy. You want to get up and dance. This one just makes you like want to stand up and be like, yes. Oh my God. I'm so inspired. So go turn that on if you haven't listened to it. All right, let's ignite today's topic. What I know for sure. So I'm giving you my five things that I know for sure that are serious. And then I'm going to also give you one that's just like a little bit of a funny one. I might actually do, if people like this, I might actually do it once a quarter or something to kind of be talking all the time about the things I know for sure. So the first one I want to kick off with is knowledge is power. Fun fact, I have the words knowledge is power in Latin written on my body as a tattoo. That's how much I believe in this and that's how much I know it for sure. So for me, it's sort of twofold. So one is that, you know, knowledge is power because the more you know, the more you can do with that information. So it's that whole Maya Angelou thing of like, when you know better, you do better. And it's just the same for anything, you know, like if you, you know, even when you're putting together the Ikea equipment, you read the instructions and then that will be better than if you just winged it. You know what I mean? It's as simple as that. But then it also is around that whole idea of always growing, always wanting more knowledge. And I'm really, um, thirsty for growth. It's something that I've always really been interested in. It's really been taken up a notch since my cancer diagnosis. And I just, I'm wanting to grow so much, you know, and it's something that I talk about with my staff a lot. You know, I do monthly, yearly, quarterly, whatever assessments with the staff development chats, we call them. And when we first started them, I would ask, so what are you doing this month to grow? And they were like, I, I don't know. 
And I'm like, well, here are all the books I'm reading. Here are the courses I'm taking. Here's the YouTube tutorials that I'm watching. And I own the joint. What are you doing to be better at your job? You know, everyone's young, fresh-ish out of uni. No one's perfect. Everyone can be better at what they're doing or they can learn a new skill to better themselves, you know. And so I never want to ever get complacent with like, oh, I'm good enough at that. I'm done. You know, I always want to make sure that I'm learning a new skill or bettering and furthering a skill that I already have because like what else are we doing as humans otherwise? Like who wants to just like be it? You know, like I I don't know, like there's that whole concept of love yourself and love who you are and I totally believe in that but it's also like always strive to be more, be better. That's also something that I think is so important because – it's also so much more fulfilling. Like, you know, when I do a little course online, even if it's just something as simple as, you know, I learned something the other day and how to edit better for videos in Final Cut Pro. And now I can make my videos look even more impressive. And it's like, okay, well, that's good. That's great. And then I'm reading a book on leadership and I learned something about a little way to um, do an activity with my team. And I was like, okay, well, that's good. That's going to help me be a little a better leader. And it's just these little things. Nothing has to be major. You don't have to go back to university and get a degree in something. I mean, you can if you want to, but we can all grow in little ways every single day. And so what are you doing to have more knowledge because it gives you more power in your life and within yourself. All right, number two, you have to tell people what you need, don't expect them to know. Now, this is something that I have learned over the last few months. It's something that I always like knew, it's kind of obvious, but it's not something that I ever practice. And it comes in twofold, one for me personally and also for my business. So when I got the cancer diagnosis, I made a very considered effort to be super, super honest about this process with everyone, whether that was you as someone on my Instagram or if it was my family and friends. And what that looked like was me not pretending that everything was fine. And when I told people about my cancer diagnosis, it was the cold, hard facts. And it wasn't about you know, like, oh, they found this little thing, but it's going to be okay. The immunotherapy is going to work. It's all fine. Because you know what? It wasn't fine. And that's not how I felt. And so I wanted to be like, look, this is what I have. This is what the life expectancy is. This is what the doctors are saying. And we're going to go through the motions and do what I need to do to, you know, get rid of this cancer. But it had to, I had to do it that way. It had to be very matter of fact, because I didn't want anybody it was all about my mental health because I didn't want anybody then downplaying it. You know, I didn't want people to be like, oh, it's not a big deal. And then I feel like I'm over here, you know, feeling like really worried about this serious thing that's happened to me and other people, because I've tried to be so positive and downplay it. They're not even really giving me the the support that I need because I haven't told them what's going on, you know? And so it's just, it's so important to understand what you need and then tell people that. So I sat down with my mum, who is a super, super positive person. And she's always saying like, everything's meant to be, let's look at the bright side. It's like just part of her personality. Uh, Growing up, that's just what she's always been like. But I had to sit down with her and I had to say, 
I understand that you want to give me the silver linings and that you want to tell me everything's going to be okay. But when I'm having a bad day and I don't feel like everything's going to be okay, I need you just to hear me and acknowledge that and then just sit with it. I can't, you can't always try to be fixing it. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So, you know, for instance, during this period, I found out that I had to go get my eggs harvested because the immunotherapy could impact my fertility. And then when I went and got my, tried to get my eggs harvested, they decided that, ah, my fertility is not so crash hot. Turns out my eggs aren't that great and I don't have many of them. And so the day that I found out about that, it was twofold for me because like as a woman, whether you want children or you don't want children, you have grown up with this expectation that you can do it if you want to. So one hearing, maybe I can't have kids now and that choice has been taken away from me. And then two, knowing that I had put my cancer treatment on pause in order to do this fertility process and knowing it could have been a complete waste of time was also pretty hard to hear. And so that day I had some people be like, oh, well, you know, it's all right. Don't worry about it. But then I had to say to my mum, like, no, this is really shit. And she was like, I'm so sorry, this is shit. And sometimes you just need people to kind of hear how you're feeling, but she would never have known to do that if I hadn't told her, you know, and for example, for my business, this is like totally on the other flip side. I would have staff do things, little jobs that they would do, little role tasks, whatever it is, something within their day and they'd do it wrong and I'd just fix it because it's just faster for me to fix it than it is for me to teach them how to do it right. And they'd keep making the same mistakes and I'd keep fixing them. And that would just be a vicious cycle. And then I'd become resentful and I'd be like, well, why would they keep doing it this way? Uh, Hello, Courtney. It's because you never told them how you wanted it done. You know, and I, I, it seems so stupid, but I had so much resentment last year before the cancer diagnosis around me expecting people to know what the fuck is going on in my head without me telling them. Do you know what I'm trying to say? It's like kind of hard to get it out, but it's like if I don't tell people that, you know, you being, say for instance, if somebody arrives at work five minutes late every single day, we have a very cruisy office here and they might be like, oh, it's not a big deal. I, you know, I just, we, we kind of come and go. It's cruisy, cruisy, cruisy. But I'm sitting there seething because I'm like, how disrespectful. You're rocking up five minutes every late every day. What do you think this is? You know, show respect. Come here on, to, you know, be early. Don't be late and just cruise on in here. They just think like, oh, you know, Courtney's easygoing. This office is cruisy. And they're still doing their work. They're getting their work done. The five minutes means nothing in the scheme of things. But I'm growing resentful because I didn't tell them hey, X, Y, and Z, just so you know, it's really important that you are here on nine because that's the time that we start and that's important to me. You know, so it's super important that you let people know what you need. You can't expect people to know what you want unless you tell them because what Joe Blow wants and what you want can be two totally different things. You know, it's like that whole love languages conversation that I've had before on other podcasts And it's so eye-opening to hear that what I think is good. So for instance, I love words of affirmation, but then someone else might be um, sort of acts of, I'm not sure what the names of them now, now that I'm put on the spot. So like some people could be into acts of service, for example. So say I had a boyfriend, which I don't, 
and he takes the rubbish out every single day, but he never says anything, you know, kind to me or how much he appreciates me. He thinks him taking the rubbish out every day is a big deal, but it doesn't mean anything to me because he's not actually telling me how much he cares for me or, you know, how proud he is of me. But because his love language is acts of service, he's doing what he thinks he would like. I'm over here telling him how much I love him and how proud I am of him and how good he is, but he doesn't give a shit because all he wants me to do is make him you know, breakfast in the morning or whatever it is. Like he wants acts of service and I want words of affirmation and we're doing what I think is good, but it's not what he needs. That's a completely made up situation. Please note, I don't have a boyfriend. (laughs) Um, So do you understand what I'm saying? It's like you can't expect that what you want, you know, like that person that was late every day probably thought like, oh, I wouldn't care if people were a little late. Everyone's working really hard anyway. It's like a minor little thing. But to me, everyone starting at the same time every day is really important just to kick the day off right, you know. So it's just those little things. And it was a very big eye-opening experience for me with the cancer treatment because I basically had to go around to staff to family, to friends and saying, this is what I need for my emotional support right now. And I have one of my friends, Emily, who has, you know, she's done um, lots of things with domestic violence and she's a very, um, I would say she's sort of like a little activist. (laughs) She uh, also has done courses on um, social work and things like that. She's just very, I'm like butchering her whole life right now, but she's just a very switched on person to people's emotions and how to care for people. And she said to me during this process, how would you like me to support you? And that meant like, wow, that was eye-opening for me. And it was like, wow, you've actually not tried to guess. You've not tried to give me what you think I need, what you would want. You've just fucking asked and it's eye-opening. And then I'm like, what I need for you is this. So for example, I had friends who every single day would message, how are you feeling? How are you going? Are you okay? What's happening? And that was them showing love. But for me, it was like, oh, I just forgot for a split second that I didn't have cancer. And now your message has reminded me. And then I had friends who didn't ever message at all. And I was like, hello, where's the support? And, you know, when you have a big traumatic thing happen in your life like that, you're very judgy of everybody else's behavior. But it's like, I just need to say to my friends, and what I said to Emily was, you don't need to check in on me every single day. Maybe just check in on me after, you know, I've had my cancer treatment that afternoon, you know, every couple of weeks. And that's what she does now because she doesn't want to remind me every single day that I had, you know, at that time I had cancer. And so it just, it's eye-opening when you tell people what you want and then they give it to you, you know, and you just become so much less resentful because you've communicated what you want and it just changes everything. So that was a really long way, winded way of saying you have to tell people what you need, don't expect them to know. All right, number three, you can't control someone else's behavior. You can only control your own reaction. This is something that I learned in my early 20s, I would say, or late teens, And it's still something that I work on all of the time. Now, my family, good or bad, none of this is right or wrong, react to things very differently to myself. So neither of us are right. It's just very different. Just like how it's not right to want words of affirmation or acts of service. It's just different ways of handling things. And the way that they handle things, the way that they do things sometimes same with my friends, same with people at work, whoever it is, 
I was getting very like upset and it was really taking it on board. And then I kind of realized like I'd fight with them and be like, do this, do this. This is what I think is right. This is what I think you should do. La, 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 la. And it's like, I can't control somebody else's behavior. Like this is just going around in circles, me trying to change people. Like this is ridiculous. Like they think what I'm doing is wrong. I think what they're doing is wrong, whatever. It's, we're just going around in a vicious circle, vicious cycle. And so when I kind of realized I can't control what they're doing, all I can do is control how it's making me feel. It changed everything and it's something that I have to work on all the time. I'm not going to lie. It's not easy to do that. But when someone does something that you – I can't even really think of an example, but it could be something like in the way that people fight. So you know how there are certain people in your life when you have a disagreement with them, they go like way below the belt and they just say some really hurtful things, which like, you know, a few days later you forgive them for anyway, but it's like, wow, that really, that really stung, you know, and it's like, you just keep thinking about it and you're so mad because it's like, well, I didn't call you names. I didn't tell you to shut up or whatever it is. And then you think like, well, I don't do this. Or maybe even if it's someone in your life that gives you the silent treatment, you know, when they're mad at you and you're just trying to like have a conversation with them, like what's happening? Can you tell me what I've done to annoy you? Why are you giving me the silent treatment? And they're just like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And it's like, then for days you're stressing and thinking about like, oh my God, what, what have I done to this person? And I realize it's like, I can't, if if they want to go below the belt, if they want to do the silent treatment, however they react to like a a fight or how when they're upset or angry, I can't control that. You can't force someone who gives the silent treatment to talk. Like, don't worry, I have tried so many times. All I can do is control how I feel. And it's like, look, if they're not going to tell me what I've done wrong, I need to just get over it until they're ready to tell me and then I can handle it then. All I can do is, you know, look at my own reaction or if it's like, wow, they said some things that are really below the belt, but I know that that was in the heat of the moment. I know that that's not the person I am. I know I'm not the things that they called me, whatever it is. I can just handle my own reaction. And it's really hard. It is really hard to do sometimes, and especially when it's your family or close friends. Um, But when you start to like really, like when I start to really spiral and it's like, oh, I'm so upset about the way that they're doing this, that, and the other, I have to check myself and be like, no, no, you can't control what they're doing, Courtney. You can only control how you feel about it. So you need to change the way you're feeling about it. And so that's been a big key learning for me over the years. Still working on it though. Another thing that I know for sure is that there's always time to do the things that you need to do. You just have to prioritize them. So this is actually something that I hear a lot in my DMs. So I have people being like, I wish I had time to do that when I'm talking about, um, like a course that I'm doing, like a little online course or a book that I'm reading or something I'm educating myself on or whatever, for it's like chilling with my family, whatever it is. I get people being like, oh, I wish I had time to do that. And I hear it a lot from mothers, which I cannot relate to. I do not have children. So, you know, this is probably aimed at someone who doesn't have kids, but I guess it could apply, but I don't want to presume to know your experience because I don't have kids myself. But I'm having a lot of people just being like, I don't have time for that. Let me tell you, I am a busy person. You're probably a busy person. 
those, the guy next door. Everybody has shit that they're dealing with, that they're getting through, that they're busy. Not many people are sitting at home twiddling their thumbs. Twiddling? Is that the word? Twirling? I can't twit. Anyway, let me know. <laughs> um, I, I didn't have time for a bloody podcast. Actually, we've had some stuff happen with our business right now, which is like a huge period for growth. So if I was looking at like this objectively, this is actually the absolute worst time to start my own podcast. But you know what? I don't have time, but I have to make time. I remember one of my friend's mums said to me once, which is like a weird analogy, but she said to me when I was in high school and John Howard was the prime minister and I said something about I don't have time to exercise and she said, did you know that the prime minister, John Howard, exercises every single day and he still finds time to run the country? And it's that whole thing like you have the same amount of hours in a day as Beyonce does and obviously everybody's circumstances are a bit different. Beyonce probably has assistance for her you know, babysitters for her kids and all that kind of stuff. And she has help. But the concept is still there that if you want to do something, you have to make time. So for example, during isolation, before that, I wouldn't get out of bed till 8 a.m. Yep. Not sorry, not before isolation, before my cancer diagnosis. Yeah, 8 a.m. That's right. 8 a.m. I would be awake and I would just work on my phone, but then I'd get out of bed at 8 a.m frantically put makeup on, have a shower and put some clothes on and then race to work to be at work at 9am. And I was always behind and I wasn't doing anything productive. I had no time to like listen to podcasts, do personal growth, any of that kind of stuff. So I started getting physically up at 6.30 and I gave myself an extra hour and a half of productivity there. I'm not saying that everybody has, you know, some people might already think, I already get up at 5am, Courtney, with the kids, so I don't have that time. But there are things that you can do. Are you driving to work, listening to the radio? Could you potentially put on an audio book instead? When you're walking through the grocery store, could you put in earphones and listen to something informative instead? There are little things that you can do. Multitasking especially is how I try to get lots of things done. You know, are there people that you can delegate things to in your life? I was trying to do everything at my job before the cancer diagnosis and then I realised like, Courtney, you are the owner of this business and you were doing like the tiny little, you're micromanaging everything. Delegate, delegate. So when I finally started doing that and letting things go, I realised it actually wasn't the end of the world and that I'm handing over this job to one of my team. They're doing a good job, just as good as me. I didn't need to think that I'm the only person in the world that can do it. So I think that... If you think that you have no time to do things, you need to like look at your life, your daily schedule, and you if you really assess everything that you're doing and you want something bad enough, you can make the time for it. You know, before isolation, I would always have really shitty foods and like just get takeaway on the way home and not before, probably I don't know, like a year ago I was kind of saying that and I was not cooking food for myself and like I don't have time. Cooking dinner takes too much time. But instead what I did was I started doing audiobooks and I listen to audiobooks as I cook my dinner now. And so that was two things I could do at once. And I sometimes I even just put on Hey You on my laptop on my kitchen bench and I'll just watch Hey You and I feel like, oh, I'm getting in my reality fix. I love my reality shows. Getting in my reality fix because – I love that. It makes that trashy TV just kind of takes me out of the stress of my life and makes me 
happy. And so I was able to do that while I was cooking. You know, it's all about trying to find if something is important, you have to make time. Time isn't going to open up for you. And so everybody can, you know, if you want to like figure out how to, you know, if you want to go back to medical school and you have six kids and you're a single mum, sure, maybe that might be like a, a bit of a difficult one to fit in. It's not like finding a 30 minutes in your day to start a podcast. I get that. Um, but still, there are ways to go about things and, you know, maybe you could have some family help you or like maybe some of your older kids could look after your younger kids or I don't know. And that, you know, some of these things sound difficult, but there are little things that you want to do. Everybody can find time, like 30 minutes to get up and move and exercise every day. We can all do it. We just don't really want to do it, but you can do these things. It's just about how you prioritize your time. So I micromanage the hell out of my day to try and get everything in that I need to do. And that's something that maybe you can look at doing too. And you know what? Like it's not fun all of the time, but it's fulfilling when you learn and you grow. And it's like, wow, I really had to do a lot of things this week to try and fit in this course or this book or whatever. But at the end of the day, I've learned so much. And so it was worth it. Not everything worth having is easy. All right. The next one, is this number five? Have I already done? Yes, number five. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Now this I definitely know for sure. So something I'm always saying, I actually asked my team, I was like, guys, I'm doing what I know for sure. What do you think I know for sure? What are things I harp on about all the time? And there were some like funny jokes. But one of the things that one of my staff said was that you need to take action And so I turned that into nothing changes if nothing changes. And this is something that I do say to my team a lot, like in their one-on-ones meetings, they might say, I'm really stressed at the moment. I'm feeling very anxious. Um, I'm not liking this, that, and the other. And then the next month they say the same thing in their one-on-one chat. And then the next month they say the same thing. And then finally I just say, what are you doing about it? What have you actually done to stop feeling anxious? You know, are you talking to a professional? Are you seeing a doctor? Are you, you know, doing meditation? Are you figuring out some coping mechanisms? Like what are you doing with your work? Like what are ways that we can structure your day better to make you feel less anxious about your timelines or whatever it is? You know, it's like you actually, you can't just expect to be like next month in the, you know, in the next assessment, they'll be like, so I'm going to try and be less stressed next month. It's like, cool. What does that look like though? What are you actually changing in your day-to-day life to make a change? Because unless you actually change something, why would you be less stressed this month if you're doing the same thing you did last month? You know, it's common sense, but a lot of us just don't do it. So like for me, when I found out about the cancer diagnosis, well, I keep harping on about that, don't I? But it's, you know, it's a point of where things change. So it's just the timeline. Um, I had this like pragmatic mind and, I kept saying to myself, I have to be less pragmatic. I have to be positive. And I did that for a few weeks. And I was like, okay, just keep saying be positive is not working. (laughs) What else can I do to actually change this? And that's when I started like reading up books about positivity, watching documentaries about changing your mindset, meditation, mindfulness, gratitude. And I started doing all of these things and it is a very long process, but it's starting to work and people around me can see that oh, what did one of my staff said emanating, vibrating in a different frequency or something like that. Um, 
and it's it's slow, but it was a priority for me to try and make changes because me just telling myself every day, just be more positive, don't be pragmatic, be positive. It did nothing. That does nothing. You know, you can't actually change things unless you do something about it. You have to take life by the, I don't like to use analogies that have gender stereotyping. So take life by the, I, I don't even know. What, what is another word for balls, guys? I need some help. I, you know, I've, I've got to get better at this, but you know what I'm trying to say? Like grab life by the guts and you've got to make a change in your life. And it can just be little, little things, you know, like one week I watched a documentary on mindset and then I put my toe in the water for some meditation. It was just little things. But over time, all these little things add up to something big big, and it turned into change in my mind. And it's a slow progression. I'm definitely not all the way there, but I'm starting to see the difference. So you have to figure out what can I actually do if I want an outcome to achieve that outcome? You can't just think like, I'll wake up tomorrow and hopefully everything changes. You know, like for example, if you're like, I really need to get fit. And then you wake up in the morning, it's like, oh, I can't bother going to the gym. Oh, I can't bother going to the gym. You should change something. So like maybe the night before you're laying out your clothes before you go to the gym. Maybe you've joined a gym that's on the way to work. So it's like a little reminder every single time you go past it. I, I don't know. But like there are these little things that you can change that will help get you to where you're trying to go. All right. And my last one, which is like, not a deeper, meaningful one. I want to do just like a frivolous one whenever I do these episodes. If I ever do them again, you might have hated this episode and be like, Courtney, no thanks. We don't want that again. But for now, this one for this episode is every TV show deserves three episodes. So I am a TV fanatic. Like I have watched so many different shows. I am obsessed with TV. Like I took a course on how to write TV scripts, even though I have no intention of being like a screenwriter, I took a course on it because I'm so obsessed with knowing about this stuff. It's just something that's like, I did actually courses at uni about screenplay writing, even though I had no intention of doing that job. I just am so interested in it. And so TV is like my big thing. I barely watch any movies. So I am always recommending TV shows to people. You guys would have seen on my Insta story. I'm always recommending shows. I'm always watching new shows. But one of my rules is that you must watch three episodes for of a show before you can judge it. And this I know for sure. A pilot is definitely not something you can judge a show on, good or bad. For example, Sex in the City, go back and watch the first episode. Like that show I think we can all say was a pretty good show. The first episode, they would stop and talk to camera. Miranda, Carrie, they would stop and actually talk to the camera like you were like there with them. And I remember watching that back and be like, oh, my God, what the hell was this choice? And that was a terrible pilot. If we had based the show on that, no one would have watched Sex and City ever again. The Office, for the first few episodes of the US Office, they copied the UK Office. And let me tell you, as someone who has like half my family is from England, my mum was born in England, obviously all of her brothers, English humour does not translate to US humour, okay? They are two 
very different things. And an American trying to do US humor does not work. So the first few episodes of The Office is like, ew, cringe. What are they trying to do here? But then they got into their own groove and started doing their own actual content. And obviously now, you know, the US Office is one of the most successful sitcoms of all time. So I just wanted you to know for sure that you have to give an episode three, uh, sorry, a TV show three episodes to get into its groove groove before you judge a book by its cover. Basically, you have to think of a TV show's pilot as its cover. All right. Don't judge it by that. Give it three episodes. That's what I have for you. But in saying that last night I watched Big Brother. It just launched back on Australian TV. It's been something like six years since Big Brother's been in our lives. And I really love Big Brother, as trashy as it is. More more, more the British one. I'm really big on Celebrity Big Brother UK. But I really loved the Australian one too. But this was not it. This was not it. What they have done to that show for that first episode was horrendous. And I had such high hopes. But. They, they lost the essence of the show in trying to overly produce and edit it so much that they've lost something. But I'll give it a couple more episodes. I don't want to judge a book by its cover. So I'll give it two more episodes before I decide if I'm going to can it or not. But it's going to be painful. I feel like it's going to be painful. <laughs> we shall see. Um, and then I just wanted to talk this week about my attitude of gratitude and this week I am grateful for the things that I learned during COVID. So I said earlier in the episode that I'm trying to focus on what is the silver lining of this COVID process. And as a business owner, there actually has been a lot. I have learned so much about myself and my work process and my staff through this period. My staff love a morning meeting, the Zoom. They bloody love it. I didn't know that. No one's ever asked me for a morning meeting. We all just get into work. We all work in the same room, a lot of us. We have separate offices for some people, but for the most of us, we have an open plane office because that's the way Sam and I like it. He has his own office because he needs it for confidentiality, but I work out in the, the main room with everybody. So we just like all get in, have a chat with each other and then start our work. But they love a morning Zoom. So now we're going to start morning meetings. They're just loving hearing what everyone else is up to. So in the morning Zoom, we'll be like, oh, Lang, what have you got on this week? And she'll say that. And everyone else is just loving hearing what everyone else is doing. So we'll do that. I also, during isolation, did like Zoom trivia and like Zoom challenges with my staff every day. I called it Spimbledon because my business is called Spinaco. And every day for 30 minutes at 2.30, the team would all jump on and I'd play some sort of a game with them to win prizes. And we learned so much about each other. We're quite a close-knit group already, but I learned so much about their partners, their family, their friends, their childhood from all these stories. So, for example, we'd do like two truths, one lie, and we'd hear all these amazing stories about each other. And so it really highlighted to me that even though we all sit together every single day and we're all quite close, more team building. I need to do more team building exercises. So that's something else that I've learned. I've also learned that a number of my staff would like support with time blocking. <laughs> this is something that I thought everyone was already just doing, but evidently we need a masterclass on time blocking live at Spin HQ because some of the team have, I've had one-on-one -on -one chats with them, talking to them about it. And they've like, oh my God, it's changed the way that I'm doing things. Even some of my staff wanted one-on-one -on -one time talking about how to use a diary effectively, which I thought was just like, just write down your tasks. It's not tough. But once I had the one-on-one -on -one chat with one of my team, they're now using their diary more efficiently and they're loving it. So 
it's just those little things. It's like I think that I just do them because they're things I've been doing, you know, and honing those skills over the years. But I need to do more like one-on-one training with the stuff on just little things like that that can help them with their time management. So there's all these things that I've learned through this COVID experience that I'm going to try and take out with me and make sure that this time wasn't wasted. It wasn't for nothing. All this hardship that everyone's gone through, I don't want it to be for nothing. I want it to be that we grew stronger and we grew closer as a team and we're better off for it. So yeah, I'll see you at the morning meeting (laughs) next week, I guess. So that's what I'm grateful for this week. And then that's pretty much it. So I just wanted to share some of the things I know for sure. In the coming episodes, I'm going to get into more tippy kind of things. I'd love to hear him come and, you know, jump into my DMs. I'd love to hear exactly what you want to hear from me. I have my weight loss journey um, coming up pretty quick, I think. That seems to be something that like 80% of people asked in my DMs yesterday that they wanted to hear from me. Um, And that's been something I haven't wanted to talk about before because I've wanted everything to be focused on skin cancer on my page. And so it's something that I will talk about in the coming weeks. Um, Tips on organization seems to be another strong theme coming through. So if there are other things that you would like to see from me, hear from me, slide into my DMs. All right. So we're going to end with this week's thought of the week. And that is take a look at everything you're doing with your life and make sure you choose it all again. That's from Sam Brown and another podcast. She's another podcaster. Um, I'll just repeat that. Take a look at everything you're doing with your life and make sure you would choose it all again. And I'll leave you with that. Well, that's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back every Tuesday with a new app. But in the meantime, keep up with me on Instagram at Courtney Mangan and at She Was The Fire. Also, as I said, if you could rate, review and subscribe to this podcast, it would be extremely helpful and I would really appreciate your support. Bye.